0: Let's open our Bibles to that seldom used little book called Philemon. It's right after the pastoral epistles. It's Paul's personal letter (coughs) to a man named Philemon. (coughs) This is the precious word of God and every word of God is pure. Let me read it to you. I hope you can delight in it just from its reading. Amen. The epistle of Paul to Philemon. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, and Timothy our brother, unto Philemon our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, and to our beloved Affia and Archippus our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, I thank my God, making mention of Thee always in my prayers, hearing of Thy love and faith, which Thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of Thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in You in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in Thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by Thee, brother. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such an one as Paul the aged and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again. Thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly for perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever not now as a servant but above a servant a brother beloved specially to me but how much more unto thee both in the flesh and in the Lord if thou count me therefore a partner receive him as myself if he hath wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it. Albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self besides. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. But withal prepare me also a lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. There salute thee, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Our brother Paul to our brother Philemon. I want you to get tonight from the book of Philemon this, the gentility of Christianity. Amen. I want you to get from this book the tenderness, the forgiveness of Christianity. Right. I want you to see brother Paul who could stand on Mars Hill and tell the Greek philosophers that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead to prove the fact that he was coming back to judge them. That he could rip into the teachers at Corinth that were despising him and that he could defend the truth at every turn. He could also write a very personal, very friendly, very polite, very courteous and the most eloquent piece of literature in the Bible when it comes to persuasive writing on a personal matter between two men in such few sentences. It's very weighty. We are not told in the Bible whether Philemon responded to this epistle and took Onesimus back. But we may conclude that on two grounds. The letter is overwhelming. And two, the character of Philemon is highly commended. The two of those are going to receive Onesimus back. Now this morning I said something to you about Onesimus having already been a member at Colossae. I still hold to that for a number of reasons. There's a number of things written about Philemon and about Onesimus. You put them all on the table, and you sort them to find out which way makes the most sense with the least conflict. I don't want you to think about that tonight, because that'll distract us from the purpose. The purpose is the gentility of Christianity. The appeals that are made to this man to consider what we would call very gentle, approaches in receiving Onesimus back. There's very little appeal in here to the forgiveness that we have in Christ Jesus directly. It's implied and it's in the gentleness that the Apostle Paul has toward this man and the relationship he has toward him based on love. I recently went over 1 Samuel 25 with you about Abigail. Abigail persuaded David who was passionately upset and highly offended at Nabal. She persuaded him with a short speech to defer his anger and not to do something that would cause a blot in his character and she not only changed him Changed his course so that he did not do that. She won his heart On our website. I've put a letter written with 20 points as it were from Abigail to wives on how to win their husbands using some of the approaches that she used in 1 Samuel 25. This is not Abigail. This is our brother Paul. This is our brother Paul who could defend himself right well and who could preach and set into men and condemn and curse any gospel contrary to his own. But when it comes to dealing with an individual on a personal matter, this is no church involved here. This is Philemon and Onesimus, and he's the mediator. I want you to see the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the effect that it has in a man's life and how he's able to reconcile two offended parties. And I want you to see what you can learn from this in your own dealings with offended parties because this is the gentleness of Jesus Christ. The apostle does not invoke his authority. He invokes the gentleness of Christ and his own gentle character to win Philemon. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer. Who were the two that wrote to the Colossians? Paul and Timothy. When we get to the end of this epistle and we see in verse 24, well, we see in verses 23 and 24, these five worthies, Epaphras, Marcus, Aristarchus, Lucas, and Demas, Where did we read those five worthies this morning? Colossians chapter four. Who was taking the epistle of the Colossians to the Colossian church? Tychicus and Onesimus. Onesimus also had this little personal epistle. I tried to paint a short and brief picture this morning of Onesimus Mm -hmm. returning to Colossae and meeting Philemon. There would have been great offense there The verses tell us here, in verse 18, if he hath wronged thee, there's no if about it. The entire epistle's written on the grounds that there was some wrong, but that's part of persuasive writing. If he's wronged you, put it on my account. He's dealing so gently, he doesn't say, I know that Onesimus is a robber. Philemon doesn't need any encouragement like that. If he's wronged you, put it on my account. For the two of them to meet again, there would be high offense. But with this epistle, there would have been tears and an embrace and a receiving again of Onesimus. And this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of sinners and the recovery of them. He calls Philemon, our dearly beloved. Now that's a good way to start out right there, is to call someone your dearly beloved. And and Philemon must have been a great man and a friend of the apostle paul's for him to write to him this way and the fact that he makes mention of him in prayers as we're about to read he knew of him well but he starts right out appealing You know, we are very good friends philemon and i'm writing to you based on a loving relationship that we have you're my dearly beloved i hope that everyone is listening there's wisdom here Mm -hmm. you can go pay lots of money and sit for many hours to try to read persuasive writing in American literature, but you won't read anything this good. Now I have read a letter from Pliny, who's very well known for eloquent writings, about the very same circumstances, writing an owner of a slave to receive back a slave that he believed was penitent, and it's viewed by the world as being the most eloquent piece of literature of that sort. It is far inferior to this, and anyone reading it saved or unsaved, would agree. This is powerful. There are a whole list of arguments. If we were to take this epistle and reduce it to a numbered set of arguments and points that Paul is using to win Philemon, it's a long list. We just want to see the overall impression that gentleness is, one of, is an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. The Apostle Paul described himself and compared himself to Christ and said with the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I'm able to come. It's only if you push me that I'll come in authority and with a rod. Verse 2, and to our beloved Aphia. Now, Aphia is a feminine name, and Aphia is most likely Philemon's wife. There's no other reference to her in the epitome. Remember when you go back to Colossians, there's no reference to her, although there are references to the other parties that we have here. Because we're about to read of Archippus, there's a reference to him, but here's an Aphia, and it's a feminine name, Philemon's wife. To our beloved Aphia, and Archippus, our fellow soldier. We read about him this morning as the Apostle Paul told the Colossian church, exhort Archippus to take heed to his ministry that he's received from the Lord that he fulfill it. And to our beloved Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house. Now, brethren, look what he's done already. The letter goes to Philemon. Philemon has to show it to the other parties that are addressed there. Are you with me? Yep. The list is long. The man is wise. You know, the Apostle Paul said, harmless as a dove, but wise as a serpent. He's going to have to go show the pastor, Archippus, and he's going to have to show his wife what the Apostle Paul wrote him. It's beautiful. And to the church in thy house. There's a church meeting in the house of Philemon, and if anyone had a large house, I believe it would have been Philemon for a reason that we'll see in a moment. He, Paul wants lodging there, and he's refreshed the souls of many saints with his hospitality. So it's presumed that he had a servant. It's presumed he was a man of means. And there's a further proof of that that is overlooked by many. We'll get to it in a minute. Verse three, his common salutation, the apostle Paul, grace to you and peace, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ we're familiar with those words they are a salutation yet they have meaning because without grace we are nothing we want continual grace and peace is a great blessing to have from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who secured peace because he's the Prince of Peace his opening verses 1 through 3 now his commendation of Philemon verse 4 I thank my God making mention of Thee always in my prayers." Let's let's consider again that the Apostle Paul was a man of prayer. How does a man in chains, in chains, in Rome, pray for all the churches and individuals like Philemon in faraway places? Is he lying? Do you think he really prayed for him? He was a man of prayer, wasn't he? I hope this provokes us, that we can make mention of men and places and people and churches in prayer and labor in prayer more than we do. The Apostle Paul was quite a man of prayer, and you know many times he had to work with his hands during the day and preach at night, or preach during the day and work at night. He tells us that in a couple of his epistles, and he still took the time for prayer. I thank my God, making mention of Thee always in my prayers. You don't have to pray five minutes about a matter like this. You just need to make mention of it. Let the Lord know that you're there still praying for a particular matter and the Lord will hear that. But notice what it does to Philemon as well. Paul's praying for me all the time and he's thanking God for me. I better live up to that thanksgiving. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers, hearing of thy love and faith. Now this has changed the New Testament order. Faith precedes love, but he starts out with love. I've heard of your great love. Philemon, I've heard of your great love and I thank God for it, Mm -hmm. and your faith. Now his faith is primarily toward the Lord Jesus Christ, and his love is primarily toward the saints. That is how that verse is to be understood. You don't really have faith toward the saints. Let me show you a construction of English that I think you'll enjoy backing that up. Look at Matthew chapter 12, English of your King James Bible. Matthew chapter 12. We're looking at verse 5 of Philemon. It says, I've heard of your love and faith, he changes the order, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. Well, we love the Lord Jesus. I'm not trying to deny that at all. But the faith is primarily toward the Lord Jesus and the love is toward the saints because as he goes on, he's describing Philemon's love toward the saints. But watch this construction. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 22. Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. Now are the the two verbs spake and saw in the same order as the descriptions of this man's two problems, the blind and dumb, spake and saw. It's not the blind and dumb, saw and spake, which we might choose. Are you you following me? It's the blind and dumb, both spake and saw, connecting the last two and then the outer two together, which I'm doing in Philemon 1.5, because faith is exercised toward the Lord Jesus Christ And it's the love of the saints that the apostle is going to go on and and commend right now as we go to the next verse. Verse 4 I thank my God for your love and faith, which is toward the Lord Jesus and toward the saints, that, and here's what I'm praying for in my mention of you, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. The apostle is praying that Philemon's good character traits that are in him, the good works that are in him, would be acknowledged by all men to be very great, and they are there because of Christ Jesus. That Christ Jesus has changed you, Philemon, so that the good things coming out of you can be seen and admitted by all. And it's all predicated on your communication. Now, communication, we think, of the FCC, and so we think of verbal communication, but communi- Money, it's money. Galatians 6, 6, let him that is taught in the word communicate. First Timothy chapter six where it says, let those that are rich in this world be ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Amen. There's a whole lot of references about communication being the giving of financial goods. And Philemon was known for that. And Paul's praying, I'm praying that your communication Of thy faith because faith what how does the Bible say faith worketh by love true faith that we have works itself out by love faith without works is dead true faith works itself out by loving (coughs) others and the real love of others is doing things for them Mm -hmm. I'm praying for you that the communication of thy faith may become effectual it'll become effective to the goal that true good works are and that's the praise of God Become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. It's not because Philemon was a better man. It's because Philemon was full of Christ Jesus and it had changed the way that he conducted himself. And he was full of good works. I want to prove this point to you by going to 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians 9, because I want you to see giving from a man says something about his character because by nature men do not like to part with their money. Look at 2 Corinthians 9. Paul here in this chapter of 2 Corinthians 9 is dealing with their giving. Look at verse 1 of chapter 9. For his touching, the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you. And he goes on and says, you, you as a church are doing great in your collection the second time around. First epistle, some problems second epistle no problems but look at this in verse 12 for the administration of this service that is the administration of this money the administration of this service not only supply the want of the Saints this money that you've given is not only taking care of Saints and their needs but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God You know when you give something to someone and they go home and bless God for your charity, it's praise to God and it's praise for God's work in your life. And so that's what Paul is saying to Philemon, I'm praying for you, I've heard about your love, I've heard about your giving, he's going to say that in the next verse, I've heard about it, I'm just praying that it will become fully effective, that people will understand and acknowledge that Christ Jesus is in you and has made a huge change. And it'll result to the glory of God. Verse 13: Whilst by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ. Do you understand those words? Whilst by the experiment of this ministration, by the fact that they got the money and were able to do something with it, they glorified God for the Corinthians' obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men, and by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. Notice what you get if you, you know, you get a lot of prayers coming back in your behalf. Do you follow all? Okay, that's back, back to Philemon. I'm, I, didn't, I don't really want to leave the book of Philemon because I want the words right there in front of you, but I wanted you to understand verse 6. Paul had said in verses 4 through 6, I thank God, having heard of your love, I want it to continue and I want it to fully develop to where it's effective in bringing forth the fruit that it should bring forth and that's men acknowledging that Christ Jesus has made a change in your life. 4 verse 7 We have great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee. Brother. Amen. Brother. Oh, drop drop a little tender a word here and there in correspondence when you need to. And we're not trying to be foolishly wise. We're trying to be holily wise. Right. But I don't want to focus on the word brother. I hope you can see that. He drops in brother. What he says is, We have great joy and consolation in thy love. The love that we've heard about that you have toward the saints that is you communicating to them and actually giving and supporting them, it causes us great joy and consolation to know that there's someone in Colossae who takes care of the saints that way because we hear about the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee. Because a person that's poor can have their bowels refreshed. And the apostle was glad that a man who had means in that city was refreshing the bowels of the poor. Beautiful. Beautiful commendation of his love. Are you with me? He's He's saluted him just like he opens all of his epistles. And then he comes to his commendation, and commends him for his love. And now he's going to take up his appeal in verse 8, which will run down through verse 21. Verse 8, Wherefore, because of this great love you have that everyone hears about and we've heard about, and it gives us great cause to rejoice, because of this great love, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient I am an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ I could command you to do what I'm about to say Philemon wouldn't have a clue well he would have when he saw his face but he wouldn't have had a clue what was coming the old the apostle wants something he needs me to do something I could command you to do this but I'm not gonna do it that way I could be bold in Christ to enjoin thee that which is convenient. There's something that you ought to be doing that would be very appropriate and proper for you to do. That's convenient. I could command you to do it, but we don't need anything like that between you and me. Yet for love's sake, because of our loving relationship, why would I have to invoke my apostolic authority? But he did remind him of it, didn't he? Mm-hmm. This is precious. Amen. I, I ju- I hope that you can love the work of grace on a man like Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus, who hailed men and women and threw them into prison and caused them to blaspheme, is now writing a letter like this, the hardest working man that ever walked in the New Testament church, defending a runaway slave who's repented all the difference in the world. And here's the Apostle Paul standing in for him. Yet, The yet is there because he doesn't use the authority of verse eight. Yet for love's sake, I rather, instead of using authority, I rather beseech thee. I beg you Philemon, brother, that he just used in verse seven. I beg thee, being such an one as Paul the aged. Mm -hmm. Now listen, could Paul still defend himself if he needed to? Mm -hmm. But was he getting on in years? Yeah, he might have been 60. Remember, he was a young man when Stephen was stoned. And that's such a vague term in the, in the Bible, we can't know exactly what that was, but he's not all that old. But notice what he, he's appealing. I'm just an old man now, and now he's going to add to that, and I'm in prison. Everything's bad. I'm not going to use my apostolic authority because we have such a loving relationship. Yet, for love's sake, I rather beseech thee, I'm begging you, Philemon, being such an one as Paul the Aged. I'm an old man now and I need your help in this matter. And now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Not only am I an old man, I'm an old man in chains in Rome. He hasn't, he hasn't told him yet what it is. But has he got Philemon a ways out on a limb? Is Philemon hollering, I'll do whatever you want. It's, it's precious. Amen. It's precious. Now does he say, you have a runaway servant. Does he say Onesimus is here with me? Nope. Just to hear the name and to read it in print could cause a man to remember all the thoughts that he's had toward one that ran away from him, stole from him, purloined, was an indolent servant. Whatever the case was, we're not sure exactly what it was, but it was some <laughs> wrong. And he had left the service of Philemon. Notice how he introduces his subject. He has set him up so perfectly well saying I'm not going to use authority in verse 8, to coming to verse 9, saying I'm going to beg you for this, and remember that I'm an old man now, and that I'm also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Can you have a little mercy on me in this matter? I beseech thee for thy servant. I beseech thee for my son. Now this is, this is wonderful wisdom. I beseech thee for my son, Onesimus. The first time that Philemon sees the word Onesimus, he sees the sentence, I beseech thee for my son. Paul was held in high regard by Philemon and by the other saints of the New Testament. I beseech thee for my son, whom I have begotten in my bonds. I have converted this man, though in prison, though an old man, Onesimus has been (coughs) converted by my efforts. He's like a son to me now. I have a wonderful relationship with him. Now this I have begotten, I'll just take one minute, I have begotten him in my bonds. This is not regenerating him. The Apostle Paul couldn't regenerate a man if his life depended upon it. Paul didn't have any ability to regenerate a man. Regeneration is the creative power of God that only Jesus Christ can do. Regeneration is by the voice of the Son of God, John 5, 25, It's the same as a resurrection because it resurrects a dead soul back into life, and Paul couldn't do that. But Paul could form Jesus Christ in someone again or the first time by teaching them the truth of the gospel and being the instrumental means, the teaching means of them coming to an understanding of the truth of the gospel. When you do that the first time, it's called begetting someone. Paul said to the Corinthians, though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, I have begotten you through the gospel. I was the first one to bring you to an understanding of the gospel. That's 1 Corinthians four fifteen. You might have 10,000 teachers at Corinth, but remember I hold a place of preeminence in your conversion because I was the one that taught it to you first and brought you to your first conversion. I have begotten you through the gospel. Now, when someone falls away and they're brought back again, it's called that over again. Where is it called that? Galatians chapter 4. Paul said to the Galatians, I travail in birth, I travail in birth over you again that Christ might be formed in you. He had converted them once. They had fallen away to legalists who were teaching that you had to keep the law of Moses in order to be saved. And so he was laboring again to beget them one more time because this is not re-regeneration, is it? In Galatians chapter 4, it's not re-regeneration, it's reconversion back to the truth again. Amen. So when Paul says whom I have begotten in my bonds, it's he wasn't born again there, but he was brought to a he was brought to an understanding of the truth as it is in Christ Jesus. And he's speaking of a relationship that he has with him because notice the connection. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus This man who was estranged from the truth of the gospel and and the good works of the gospel has been brought back into agreement with them and with me. I've begotten this man by showing him the truth and bringing him into life, living the right way again, or living the right way the first time. I don't want you to worry about that right now. I just want you to see that Paul is appealing to Philemon. Onesimus is different. I've met him here in prison. And see, that's one of the things you've got to think about when you sort through the life of Onesimus, is why in the world is he in in prison talking to Paul? But that, see, the Bible doesn't tell us. And so we don't want to speculate on that. We want to get the message of the gentility of Jesus Christ and how the apostle Paul says, he's now my son. Now, Philemon, I know the offense that's between you two, but he's my son because I've begotten him in my bonds. I've shown him the truth, he's been converted, he's repented, and he's in agreement with me. He's like a son to me. He calls Timothy his son, and he calls Onesimus his son. The first time that Philemon sees the word Onesimus, he's being referenced as Paul's son, not Philemon's servant. And and you saw how he set him up all the way along, Not, not in an ungodly way, in a very wise way in a very true way. All these things were true about Philemon. All these things were true about Paul. He was older, but he just made use of them to get the full attention of Philemon. And we ought to be as wise. Does, does the Bible tell us to be as wise? Yes. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Are these fitly words? Are these fitly words? These are fantastic words. Don't you want to kiss his lips that give it the right answer? This is beautiful. I bes- remember he said, I'm not going to command you. I'm going to beg you. I'm going to beseech you. So he beseeches him for my son. And the first time he sees it, Onesimus. But he's already been appealed to for his great love that Paul's so <coughs> thankful for and makes mention of and that he rejoices in and is consoled by Philemon's great love. And then he says, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus. Verse 11, which in time past was to thee unprofitable. That's a nice way of putting it. Which in time past was to thee unprofitable. He wasn't the best. He was unprofitable to you. But now profitable to thee and to me. He's profitable to me already and he can be to you. Onesimus is different. There might have been a time in his past where he purloined or was an indolent, lazy, slothful servant, maybe one that ran away, took some of your assets, didn't fulfill his business charge in Rome, whatever the case might be, That may have been true of him, but he's a profitable man now. He's a committed, faithful man, whom I have sent again. Philemon, he's standing there in front of you with this epistle. You're reading it. I have sent him. Philemon, Onesimus, there's no reason to believe that Onesimus didn't come willingly, but he came with the blessing of the apostle Paul. Whom I have sent again. Thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels. If you receive him, it'll be like receiving me, mine own bowels. My heart is with him. Right now, while he stands in front of you, my heart is with him in front of you. Are you going to receive him or not? My bowels are there. Are you going to receive my bowels or not? Now, brethren, where are you by now? I'm putting the thing on the floor and saying, Onesimus I hope I hope I am I don't want to I don't want to speak presumptuously Where are you? I mean don't you want to hope that you would by this time be ready to embrace the young man? Mm -hmm. Wherefore I have sent him again thou therefore receive him that is mine own bowels Christians have bowels Christians have forgiveness and feelings and love and affection and we want to promote those things And that's what this little epistle is in here for. Verse 13, Whom whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. I would have kept Onesimus here because he's been very useful to me and he could have been even more useful to me. I could have kept him here. I know that you're too busy to come here, but I could have kept him here because I know that you would have granted me that privilege to take your servant, keep him here, to wait on me in your place because you can't come because you're so busy he's not saying anything bad about philemon but just pointing out i would have kept him so that he could have ministered to me in your place and i know that you would have wanted that verse 14 but without thy mind oh i wouldn't do anything like that without asking your mind first but without thy mind would i do nothing i wasn't going to make any decision like that about your servant without consulting you first now is is that meek, brethren Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you know who's writing this? Here's how he speaks on other occasions. I am the apostle of the Gentiles. I magnify mine office. I labored more abundantly than they all. I was not a whit behind the very chiefest of the apostles. That spirit that labored fervently in Peter to the circumcision was fervent in me toward the uncircumcision. He was a very strong man, knowing the great position Jesus Christ had given to him, and he didn't apologize for it. But I want you to know that there's a time to get down off your high horse and get down, and when you beseech someone, you want to know what the word beseech means? You're hearing it right now. I wouldn't do a thing without your permission, even though he was the apostle that Philemon owed everything to. Do you see the wisdom? Meekness. What is the Bible answer to that? What's one verse from Proverbs that says all this? 15. A soft answer turneth away wrath. Proverbs 15, 1. Mm-hmm. Whom I would have retained with me. I, Onesimus is now in front of you. I would have kept him with me, that in your stead he could have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be, as it were, of necessity, but willingly. I know that you would have allowed me that privilege you would have wanted me to have that benefit of a servant to wait on me at your expense but I wouldn't want to do anything like that and take it from you out of necessity I want you to do it willingly I would only want you to do something willingly not force you into it to me this is pretty forceful but it's forceful in a nice way verse 15 for perhaps he therefore departed for a season that thou shouldest receive him forever. You know, when a, when a prodigal son leaves, he might leave for a season, but he may be coming back forever because the leaving and the recovery may be the two best events in the life of a prodigal, whether it be a son or a daughter, whether it be anyone that's ever been put out of this church or not. They may have left for a season, but hopefully when they come back, they're the better for it because the exclusion the sin, the exclusion, the judgment and chastening of God and the recovery and the mercy of God and the recovery, we would hope, would make them even better. That's what we pray for, isn't it? That's what we desire. And that's what the apostle reasons here. Perhaps he therefore departed for a season. This event in the providence of God may have been for the, the better of everyone. That now you can have him forever. Nice little verse to stick in. That there was a reason for all this. And at the end product is going to be great verse 16 not now as a servant now here words we have to put in an ellipsis Phy- uh, Onesimus was a servant Onesimus was going to be a servant but not just a servant not a servant to be dealt with hardly but a servant to be dealt with gently not just a servant that is understood in the words we are to abide in the calling wherewith we are called 1 Corinthians 720 Paul is not saying, sending him back saying, Philemon, you be his servant. You let Onesimus be the master, and you be the servant. He's just saying the relationship now is going to be better than it ever was before. He's departed for a little season that you can receive him back forever. Verse 16, not now as a servant only, but above a servant only. He's also going to be a brother beloved specially to me, but how much more unto thee? He's a special brother to me, a beloved brother that he wrote. Remember he calls him beloved brother in Colossians chapter four. But how much more unto thee? Who would have known Onesimus the best? Philemon, there could have been many years of a relationship with him, watching him grow up. He's special to me. When you get him back now, he's not gonna be just a servant to you. He's gonna be a servant and a brother. It's gonna be better than it ever was. How much more unto thee both in the flesh and in the Lord now he's a he's a willing servant he's an eager servant he's an obedient a faithful servant but not only that he's faithful in the Lord as well he's a Christian brother with the same faith he's been special to me but how much more can he be special to you in his converted state verse 17 if thou count me therefore a partner receive him as myself What would those words mean to someone like Philemon? If you consider the Apostle Paul, the old man that he is in prison, a partner of yours, if you want to be a partner in the work of Jesus Christ with the greatest apostle of the Gentiles, receive him just like you would receive me. Because the way I'm looking at it, this is receiving me because I'm asking you to do it. He's my son. My bowels are standing before you. What will you do with me? I'm standing in the place of Onesimus. I must say right now that if you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, he stands at the right hand of God. And though this is not the purpose of this epistle, we cannot help but see it. Can you help but see it? The Lord Jesus Christ stands at the right hand of God and puts himself in our place and says, I died for him. I died for him. Forgive him. His name is in my book of life that is dripping with blood that I shed on the cross of Calvary. Mm -hmm. Receive him for my sake. And I wanna tell you, brother, when the Bible says, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed, you can believe that. Amen. The Lord Jesus Christ is writing an epistle for you every single day of his life. And he's standing there in, in the presence of God doing it for you. Is that precious? Paul right here is being a mediator Jesus Christ is our mediator and he ever liveth to do that work of mediation between God and men the man Christ Jesus verse 17 if thou count me therefore a partner receive him as myself if he hath wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account the old man in prison what's he making license plates for the Roman Empire Listen to the. Listen to. He's setting him up. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I'll take responsibility. I am so confident of Onesimus. I'll take responsibility for whatever he's done wrong. I, Paul, who don't write very many of my epistles, but have them written by others and just sign my name at the end. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it. Albeit. I do not say unto thee, I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me, even thine own self besides." Now, you follow, do you follow? Now I just read it, so how can he say he didn't say it? Have you ever spoken to someone and said, I'm not going to mention the fact that such and such, but you just mentioned it while you are saying I'm not going to mention it? Right. And what you mean is, I'm not going to make a big deal out of this. But here's a little fact that we ought not to forget, but I'm not going to use it. I find it very interesting that Paul says, albeit I won't say that you owe me everything anyway. But he did say it. But we, we talk that way sometimes. and there's, nothing, there's, no, there's no ungodly guile in it. I'm going to raise the point, but I'm not going to use it. I'll pay it. If you want to hold Onesimus responsible for everything he took from you or whatever lost wages that you paid out or whatever the case was, I'll pay it. I, Paul, have written this letter with mine own hand. And do you know what? Tychicus is standing there with one for the church that he hadn't. We learned that this morning, didn't we? He just signed the end of it. This one he wrote with his own hand. If he's wronged you, verse 18, or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it. But Paul and Philemon already had an understanding. Philemon already owed his life to the Apostle Paul because the Apostle Paul had been instrumental in his conversion. And so he says, Albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self besides. Not only do you owe me enough to overlook a few dollars that Onesimus cost you, you owe me your whole life because it was God that used me to convert you in the beginning that has given you the whole hope of glory that has given you a changed life. I think you can afford a few hundred bucks in the case of one, Onesimus. That's, that's the sense of the words. Are you, do you follow the words? Amen. How he can say, I do not say to thee, while he's saying it to him? Yep. Have you ever spoke, have you ever said anything like that? Yep. Okay. I want you to, I hope you can understand and relate to the words. Verse 20, yea brother, he's drawing to his conclusion, yea brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Come on, let's do something good in the Lord and give me a cause to rejoice. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. My bowels are in front of you. All you have to do is receive him. You're receiving my bowels. My bowels will rejoice. My emotions will rejoice. My inner affections will rejoice when I hear that you've accepted Onesimus back. He's like a son to me. He's special to me. It's me. I'm asking you to do it for my sake. I'll rejoice if you'll do it. Yay, brother. Here goes that brother again. Let me have joy of thee in the Lord. This is a matter in the Lord. The Lord's forgiven us. Can you forgive Him? Refresh my bowels in the Lord. Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee. What? I wrote unto thee this epistle, because I knew that when you received it, you'd want to obey it. I have great confidence in your faith. Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say." What can you do with an epistle like that that concludes with verse 21? I'm confident that you'll outdo in what I've asked you to do. After he has said all those things. It's a, it's a precious epistle from the Apostle Paul, stuck here in our Bibles, one of the 27 books of the New Testament Scriptures, kept by God while the epistle to the Laodiceans disappeared. God wanted us to have this. Amen. He's not done. But with all, he's done with his appeal. It runs from verse 8 to 21. But what, what, what effect would this next verse have? But with all, prepare me also a lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. Uh-oh. He's going to come and visit. Now that's important. <coughs> I still love you so much, Philemon, that if I'm in that part of the country, I want you to have some lodging for me. I'm trusting that you're praying for me, and I believe that through your prayers I might get released and be able to come and visit for a while, and could you prepare me some lodging? Now, poor Philemon, if he doesn't receive Onesimus back, the Apostle's coming to see him. And the Apostle Paul was a weighty character to deal with. He hadn't invoked his authority, But he's reminding him, I I will come and visit if by your prayers I'm released from prison. If you go read 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul has no hope of release. Listen to this. I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. Now does that sound like a man about to be released? I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. But here he says, if you'll pray enough for me, maybe I can be released. And I'll come and visit you if you'll make a lodging for me and Paul would have if he would have been released Paul would have gone to meet Philemon he wasn't lying he's using godly guile that's right but he's also sincere he would love to see Philemon again but withal, prepare me also a lodging for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you there salute the Epiphras oh more know about this There salute thee, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. Five others know about it. Five worthies of the kingdom of God in the New Testament. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, amen. That's the epistle of the apostle Paul to Philemon. What can we learn from that? Is there forgiveness in Christ Jesus? What did Paul do to John Mark, who was an AWOL evangelist? He would not let him go with them on their second evangelistic trip. I bring that up to point out that the Apostle Paul was a diligent man. When the Apostle Paul wrote 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10, how did he suggest that the Thessalonians deal with men who didn't want to work? Starve them to death. Does he believe in hard work? Does he believe in faithfulness? Here's a servant that wasn't faithful. He wasn't profitable in the fat past. He's wronged you in the past. But I have begotten him in my bonds. He's been converted. He's a different man. And when, you're, when you repent, brethren, everything is new. That's right. Do we all believe that in here? Well, has, has, has the Lord our Father received us that way yeah. by the work of Jesus Christ? Anyone in here with any sins that have been forgiven? Amen. Isn't it precious? Yeah and the Lord Jesus Christ stands and doesn't write an epistle that might not get there in time, he ever liveth to make intercession for us. To save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. How do we come unto God by him? We're trusting Jesus Christ to make intercession for us with God our Father. We go to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he is ever living to make this very same kind of intercession. For my behalf, Father, for my righteousness' sake, for my shed blood and my substitutionary death, forgive that sinner. His name is in my book of life. I died for him day after day after day. You put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will never be lost. You'll never be confounded. No one has ever put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and ever been lost. It's impossible. No man can say that Jesus Christ is Lord but by the power of the Holy Spirit. What that means is when you put your trust, you put your trust in Him sincerely. How do you know if you're sincere? It's a changed life, brethren. It's why I preach a changed life. Because it's a changed life that shows you do have your trust in Him, that you do have the Holy Spirit of God in you causing you to call Jesus Christ your Lord. When you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and put your trust in Him, which only an elect man can do, only a born-again man will do, the Lord Jesus Christ will never let you be confounded. No one ever came to him for mercy and was turned away, ever. Ever. A thief on the cross at the last moment could ask in such a short and simple request for mercy, and the Lord Jesus Christ was there. He spoke on behalf of his Father today Thou shalt be with me in paradise, because Jesus Christ held the keys of death and hell and of heaven itself. And he could let that thief into paradise. I want you to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the Apostle Paul showed the gentleness of Christ in dealing with Philemon. And I hope you're able to see the forgiveness that the Apostle Paul believed in. Do you know why the Apostle Paul believed in it so much? Because he'd been forgiven so much. Do you remember when Jesus spoke to Simon the Pharisee while looking at the woman that was washing his feet with her tears? Simon, I have a question for thee. Who loves the most? One that's been forgiven a little or one that's been forgiven much? The Apostle Paul was forgiven much, and he tells us why in 1 Timothy chapter 1, that I could be set forth as a pattern for everyone else that would believe on Jesus Christ after me to show the long suffering of God and his mercy. I'm thankful for Paul. I'm thankful for this little epistle. There's practical wisdom in it. There's theological reminders in it of our great blessing in Christ Jesus the Lord. I'm glad I have Jesus Christ as my mediator and not Paul. Paul was good and Paul was a foundational stone of the New Testament church, but I'm thankful for the cornerstone. And may Jesus Christ get all the praise and isn't it the bliss of the purified and the song of the free that we have such a Savior who ever liveth to do this kind of work for us, forgive him for my sake. I secured the righteousness for him and I paid the penalty for his sins. Forgive him. Forgive. Forgive that sinner. And he does. May Jesus Christ bless this to our hearts.